Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Um, we have a fair few uh, uh, dedications today, so bear with me. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Naftali God. Alava Shalom Lilu Nishmat, Naftali Ben Le'av and Isan God. Alava Shalom. Beloved husband of Shifra God, father of Michael and Joseph, God, Lily Ishai, and Peggy Dahan, all people that we love. Um, the week of Cobra was sponsored by Isaac Sasson, dedicated in honor of his wife Barbara, in celebration of the birth of their son Mabruk and Mazaltov. Uh, breakfast in the class also dedicated in celebration of the upcoming wedding today. Hey Yom! Of Orly Fuzailov to Benjamin Wagner. Sponsored by Ruti and Rafi Fuzailov, Mabruk and Mazaltov. Uh, dedicated also in loving memory of Lois Wagner, Alea Shalom. Lilu Nishmat Lea Ruchel Bat Leib, Alea Shalom. On her second Askara, sponsored by her children Nancy and Robert Wagner. As well sponsored by Stephen Rapport, the Breakfast King, in honor of the Kahal, La for success in everything. Breakfast on the class is dedicated in honor of Razy Katz. Happy birthday to Razy Katz. Ad stream from your children. What a gift to get your mom uh, a, uh, a sponsorship to a, cl- a Torah class. Fantastic. Yes. Sponsored by, again, Stephen Rapport, the Breakfast King, this is why we call him that, in honor of Ezra Daba in recognition of his dedication to the synagogue. Breakfast of the Class, dedicated in loving memory, Dan Ben Shemuel Vidina, Alava Shalom, sponsored by Alex and Raquel Basalian, Raquel Basalian from London, uh, as well in loving memory, sponsored by his son, Ariel Beruchim. And finally, in loving memory of Dennis Dayan, Alava Shalom, Lilu Nishmat, Shilomo Ben Moshe, Umazal Dayan, Alava Shalom, sponsored by his son, Murray Dayan, Hazaku Baruch. Rabotai, I want to share with you something unbelievable. Unbelievable. No, the reason why you got it was because I wasn't here. Don't worry. <laughs> we make sure we get, if some, God forbid, if I'm not feeling well or something, we miss it. We hold the sponsorships in my... Uh, in my shtender in the upstairs synagogue, and then I do them at the next available breakfast. It's like, you know, you have a fast day or a hag and it's nidcheh, you get pushed off to the Sunday, the same thing. Okay, let's, let's get cracking. Rabotai, we are starting a new sefer. Sefer Shemot. Hazaku Baruch. We're going to start new vistas, new adventures, uh, new opportunities to learn Torah, to improve, and to go from strength to strength. I'd like to draw your attention to a very interesting scenario with a magnificent question that was asked by the Imre Hayim. Let's take a look for one second. The Pasuk says, and I'm going to read you this chapter. Vayomer Hashem el Aaron, Hashem says to Aaron, Lech likrat Moshe, go toward Moshe ha-midbara, to the desert, to the midbar. Vayelech, and he went, vayivigyesheu bahara Elohim, and he met him, at the mountain of God, and he kisses his brother Moshe. Moshe had just been commanded by God to go and redeem the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt. Moshe says to Aaron all the words of Hashem, that he had sent him, and all the miracles that he was going to achieve. Vayelech Moshe Aharon and Moshe and Aharon walk together. So they gather all of the elders of Israel. And Aharon said over all of the things that Hashem had said to Moshe. And he did these miracles 
in front of the eyes of the people. And the people believed. And they heard that Hashem had redeemed the Bnei Israel. And that he'd seen their suffering. And they bowed and they prostrated, prostrated themselves. My friends, I want you to pay close attention to these words. One more time. What does that mean? And the people believed. And they heard. One second. That means that there was a precursor there was a foreshadowing to something that was going to take place later, something that we make a huge deal about, happens actually before then, and we didn't even notice it? What is this? This is, And the people believed. And then what does it say? And they heard. That means that they believed before they heard the words that were spoken. How could they have believed before they heard? How could they have believed before they heard? So I read something unbelievable from the Imre Haim. He says something that blew my mind. He says, pay, pay close attention to the Pesukim. We're going to go over them one more time. And I want to show you something that I think is magnificent. Let's go back. Hashem says to Aharon, go towards your brother. What's just transpired in Moshe's timeline? Moshe Rabenu is off in the house of Yitro, tending the sheep. God calls to him from the burning bush. He tells him, you're the man. You're going to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. Moshe Rabenu says, Shlach tishlach. Send the one that you usually send. Send your Navi, the prophet that you always send messages to. Who's he talking about? Aharon. God says, no. Aaron's great, I love him. He's not the man for this job. You're the man for the job. Moshe says, I can't speak. God says, don't worry about the speech. I got it covered. You will be the one that receives the Nibu'ah, the prophecy. You're going to be the one that takes the Jewish people out of Egypt. And Aaron will be your mouthpiece. And don't worry, God says, and he will see you. And he will rejoice in his heart over the portion that has come to his brother. He won't resent it. He won't be upset. He won't be jealous. Go. My friends, let's look at this one more time. So let's just re reiterate. God says to Aaron, go speak to Moshe. Go meet him. Moshe comes, he tells Aaron everything that just happened, indicating that he's in charge. And Aaron is now the older brother playing second fiddle. Vayelech Moshe Aaron. And Moshe and Aharon went. And they gathered all of the elders. And Aharon said all these words to them. And on those words we just learned, the people believed, and then they heard. That means that the belief of the people happened before the pasuk that says, What did they see that made them believe? Now, in the Na'asev and Ishma of Mount Sinai, it's actually relatively easy to understand. You know, there's this giant sound and light show. Hashem has the mountain burning and fire. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the top of the mountain, into the, into the clouds, into the fire. He's gone for 40 days. They hear the voice of God. You know, you know, 
okay, gotcha. You know, at that stage, after Hashem had built up the street cred, right? Hashem had done all of the miracles for them in Egypt. Hashem had split the sea for them. At this stage, they were eating manna from the heavens. They were ensconced in the loving embrace of the fluffy clouds of glory, right? These are a people that had an unbelievable relationship with the miraculous, loving side of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So when God says, look, I have some rules for you to keep, they're in your benefit. The people are like, show me where to sign. Terms and conditions, swipe. <laughs> no problem, where do I sign? But here, Moshe Rabenu was not someone that was there for the Jewish people. Aaron was not someone that was leading the Jewish people. They hadn't done all sorts of great things. They had no track record. What was the Viyamena Am based on? How could the people have believed? What did they see that made them believe in Moshe and Aharon and in the fact that they were going to be redeemed? What did they see? My friends, I want to share with you something unbelievable. We know that when Yosef dies, he gives the Jewish people a sign. And what was the sign that Yosef gave the Jewish people? He said, Pakod Yifkod Elokim Etchem. The day will come where Hashem will surely redeem you. And you will take my bones up with you, Mizeh, from this place from Egypt. And Yosef dies, how we just ended Vayechi, and they embalm him and they bury him in Egypt. The elders of Zion, if you will, the elders of the Jewish people, they knew they had a secret code that the Redeemer, be he who he may, is going to use in his lexicon, in his vernacular. He's going to come to them and give them the secret code. What's a secret code? Pakod Yifkod. He's going to say these words. And indeed, God tells Moshe to tell the elders. And indeed, the elders get told those words. So it seems pretty straightforward. The people believed. Why? Because they had a sign. A secret sign. The rain on the plain is whatever in Spain. Okay? They knew what they, you know, they needed. They got, sorry? The rain on the plain falls. The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. I would not have been accepted for this reason. They would have been this guy's a joker. Forget it. He's the rain in Spain. What is he talking about? He doesn't have a right. Okay? But Moshe Rabbeinu said exactly what he was supposed to say. So that's what that, clearly, that's why they believed. Problem is, Huh? You got the problem? They believed him before they heard anything. So you can't even say that the reason why they believed in them was because they said the key words, they said the magic words, because it says that they believed before they heard. They all knew the magic words. Couldn't anybody have just came and said No, only the elders knew it. And that's why it says, Okay? Ready for this? This is magnificent. Hashem will surely redeem you. And you will bring up my bones. That's a strange word. And it should stick out in your consciousness. What should he have said? Please bring up my bones from? From Egypt. Or me can. Or me po. Raise up my bones. Bring up my bones. From this. What does that mean? So those of you who are eagle-eyed listeners <laughs> to mixed metaphors will remember that we spoke a little bit about this a little while ago. In fact, 
it makes its ugly appearance in the, uh, the drama-laden story between Yosef and his brothers. Yosef goes down on his father's command to go search for his brothers. And he can't find them. And he meets a man in the field. <clears throat> and he says, Et achai anochi mevakesh. I am looking for my brothers. Hagida na ali, please tell me, Ephohem roim, where are they grazing with the animals? Vayomer aish, and the man says, Nasa'u, they have traveled mizeh, from here. Kishamati omrim nelchad datoin doitan da. Uh, Dotaina, they were going to go to this place called Dotan. They left Mizeh. Where's Mizeh? Where were they? Where did the father send him? He sent him, if you look back, he sent him to a city called Shechem. That's where he sent him. So he goes to Shechem, doesn't find his brothers. The man says, they traveled me. Zeh. They've gone to Dotan. They've gone to Dotan. That's where they are. Now, my friends, super interesting. Where is Yosef actually buried? Anyone know? Shechem. The rabbis tell us, the Gemara and Sota explains, that this is why. Because when Yosef said, You'll take my bones. Mizeh, Mizeh is meant to bring you back to another Mizeh. And where was that Mizeh? In Shechem. The problem is that it's a great link, boom, boom, but it doesn't make sense here. It's not the way you would say here in Egypt. It's not the way you should say here in Shechem. He also should have said, Nase'umi Khan, they traveled from here. It should have said, Nase'u Mishchem. But why does it say Mizeh? Do you remember this, Terzi? Do you remember this one? The Chachamim say, I thought he was remembering the answer. I would have been very proud. Nase'u Mizeh, say our Chachamim, Zeh, Zayin is seven, Hey is five. The angel told Yosef, Nase'u Mizeh, they have departed, they have traveled from the idea of 12. They don't consider this family a family of 12 anymore. Your brothers have traveled Mizeh from 12. They're on a different program. They see the family as a family of 11 brothers. And the angel was giving him a warning. If you follow them to Dotan, I want you to understand, you're looking for your brothers. You said, I'm looking for my brothers. Tell me, where are they grazing? And the angel says to him, they ain't your brothers no more. They've traveled from this, from 12. Yosef gives the, uh, the Jewish people, as they've descended into Egypt, he gives them a message. He says, you will be redeemed. Hashem is going to redeem you. And raise my bones. You know how that's going to happen? It will happen. From reinstituting the concept of brotherhood of 12 once again. Always the secret to eliminating Galut is the concept of coming together the concept of brotherhood, the concept of unity. My friends, I mentioned on Shabbat, for those of you that are in the main minyan, Yaakov Avinu says to his sons, gather and I will tell you when the end of days will come. He asifu, gather around my bed. He kavitsu shimu. You know, come close and understand. And he doesn't tell them when Mashiach is going to come. 
But one way of looking at it is that Yaakov Avinu was telling them, I can't tell you when, but I can tell you how. He'asifu, gather. He'kavetsu, come together. That's how you actually redeem yourself from this place. My friends, now that we understand this, that the secret that Yosef gave them was not just the words pakod, yifkod, elokim, etchem, ve'alitem, etatzmotai, mizeh, but rather he was explaining to them that the way they're going to get out is mizeh, is from this, from 12, from ahava ve'achva, shalom ve'reut. The, the elders sit in Egypt waiting with bated breath. When will they see a sign? that will cause them to believe that the end was nigh, that they were about to be redeemed, and suddenly they saw it in its full glory. Vayelech Moshe ve'aharon. Before they opened their mouth, what did they see? They saw a younger brother walking in front of his older brother. And then Aharon tells them, you know why we're here? We're here to redeem the Jewish people. Before Aharon even says anything that God said, before Aharon even mentions the word Pakod Yifkod, they are looking at two brothers, something that has plagued us since the beginning of time, that of a younger brother usurping the power of his older brother, and the older brother not standing for it. Cain and Hevel, Yishmael and Yitzchak, Esav and Yaakov, Yosef and the brothers, one after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next. And here, Vayelech Moshe Ve'aharon. If you look in the Pasuk, you will see it's fascinating. The Ta'amim often tell us exactly where to place the emphasis on the commas. Vayelech Moshe Ve'aharon, under Aharon is... Vayelech Moshe ve'aharon. Atnach. Atnach means stop. That means that in those three words is contained an entire idea. Normally, if you would say, and Moshe and Aharon went, you'd say, went where? It actually doesn't matter where they went. It was how they were walking, the way they were standing, the way they were comporting themselves in a difficult situation. When Am Yisrael saw Moshe, a younger brother, Aharon, an older brother, who was worthy, who was a prophet, who had every reason in the world to say to his brother, why, why, why should you be the one? He was a vera'achav samach belibo. The Jewish people already knew that they had what to believe in. Vayamen ha'am. Vayishmau. And then they needed to hear, but what they heard after that was almost immaterial. My friends, I wanted to add one last piece to this concept. You know, uh, in family uh, units, oftentimes this idea rears its head. The idea of who, who goes, who's more important, who's the one that speaks, whose idea of it is it. Many of you will have encountered scenarios where the only way to get anything done is to make somebody feel that it was their idea. Have you ever had that? Oh why, don't, oh, why don't we, what if we, think, what if we did this? That's a great, uh, all of a sudden the guy thinks he's made, had his, now it'll work. But if it was your idea, not happening. How many times does that happen? Family dynamics. But that, the need to do that, is an example of this. That the person can't handle that leadership, that direction, that insight, that creativity.
that the way forward may have come from you. That's not only with younger and older brothers. That's not only with spouses. It's not only with families. And it's not even about who is more worthy. It's only ever about when someone feels more worthy. You don't have to be firstborn to feel like you're in charge. You don't have to be a male in a patriarchal society to feel that you're in charge. You could also be a woman who never listens to her husband. You could also be a man who never listens to his wife. You could be a child, you could be a younger brother, you could be a boy, you could be a girl. You can come from a better background or a worse background. Oftentimes, we are stubborn to change. We are stubborn to suggestions. We are stubborn to constructive criticism. Not because it's wrong, but because of from whence it came. And in the same way that the people looked and they said, if these people have that kind of midot, if this is the type of people they are, it makes sense that they're going to be good leaders and good rulers and good redeemers, then perhaps in every person's personal redemptive story, perhaps there's a bit of wisdom, of constructive criticism, of change that's required in your life. That means you need to take second fiddle. That means you need to sit, not in the front seat, but in the back seat, just for a while. It's fascinating to me that Aharon willingly becomes the number two. But my friends, when all is said and done, and Shemot is finished, and Vayikra is finished, and Bamidbar is finished, and Devarim is finished, we see that in the eyes of the people, who was the one that was more beloved? Aharon, more than Moshe. In the end, you don't lose from being willing to play the part that God intended you to play. If it's the right thing, who cares about the honor? Who cares about the recognition? My friends, one of the most disturbing things for me about studying about the Holocaust came in the form of a little bit of information I learned the first time I visited Auschwitz, right as we left the camp. We stood by the gates and the tour guide told us that Auschwitz was actually liberated much later, six months later than it needed to be liberated. And do you know why six months the camp was operating, killing people day and night? Because the Americans and the Russians were fighting over who would be the one to get to liberate Auschwitz. You think about the death toll of that battle for Kavod. That to me, the Nazis, we knew they were evil. We knew these people. But to think that the Redeemers could be evil? To think that for the sake of Kavod, families are wiped out? And by the way, in the last months of Auschwitz existence, that was when they had the highest and the most ramped up production of their death machine. And I remember thinking in Auschwitz, standing by the gates of the words of the Mishnah, Hakinah, Vehata'ava, Vehakavod, 
How jealousy and desire and honor can take a person out of this world. And sometimes that person is you. And sometimes it's many other people. And sometimes it's hundreds of thousands of other people. What would our world look like? And forget about the larger world, what it would look like without Kavod. That's maybe too much to ask. But what would our personal world look like? How many fights would be avoided if we stopped caring so much about our Kavod? How many things could we give in? How many family issues would just break apart if ego wasn't there, if they just tried to re resolve it in an equitable way? How, how much? And to think that sometimes that's what we are. We are America and Russia standing outside Auschwitz fighting over who's going to get to be the hero, the, white, the knight on the white stallion. May Hashem bless us to have eyes uh, that are capable of seeing. May Hashem bless us to be able to naseu mizeh. They traveled from 12. That we should travel towards brotherhood. And ultimately, in those moments, we become people that other people can believe in. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.